Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. Hi, I'm Molly. Molly, as we speak, every second, two Barbies are being sold somewhere in the world. Wow, that is... That's astounding. That's a lot of Barbies. Mm -hmm. That's uh, according to Mattel, the manufacturer of Barbie. Yep. Lots of Barbies being sold. And Barbies, I think, are sort of the one thing that, I mean, if you were to name like 10 things you think of when you think of women and their toys, I guess, you'd come up with Barbie. Yeah, Barbie's the most popular toy in the world. She is the queen of toys. But truth be told, Molly, I never owned a Barbie. That doesn't surprise me, Kristen. Yeah. Me neither. Um, my mom really wasn't into her, her busty figure, so I got Cabbage Patch dolls instead, which kind of looked like sacks of potatoes. Yeah. Uh, I, I had Barbies. I got, um, I had about three, I think, and, but I never got Barbie clothes from the store. I inherited all my mom's Barbie clothes, which were hand sewn by my grandmother. So my Barbie, I think, was a little bit more stylish than other Barbies. More um, stylish, Molly? With clothes from your grandma? Yeah, they're pretty cute little outfits. Grandma was pretty, uh, grandma, pretty hip. Grandma made a corduroy suit for Barbie that she rocked. Like it was like, give that girl a job. Well, she I, is. You friend. can't argue with a corduroy suit, Molly. Um, do you think your mom would have been as into Barbie though? She knew about her, uh, her, her sexy predecessor. I, I am shocked. I was shocked to learn about Barbie's sordid and dark past mm-hmm. as a sex doll. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about Barbie's Barbie's secret past. Um, on July 24th, 1952, we're in Germany. It's after World War II has ended. Things are a little chaotic. Dark and days, probably. Dark days. And there's a German tabloid that's still in existence, actually, called... What's, what's it called, Kristen? I'm not a native German speaker, so... I apologize if I do not pronounce this correctly, but I did look the pronunciation up on the internet, and it is uh, as close as I can get, Bild Zitong. And on that day, July 24th, a cartoon called Lily was featured for the first time. And Lily was a saucy little dame, okay? She was uh, she was blonde, very busty, rarely wore much more than a bra and some newspaper across her lap. <laughs> and she was basically a gold digger. She was out for... For money. She always dated these fat cats who didn't treat her well, but as long as they bought her clothes and diamond necklaces, she was happy. And she always said little sassy things that the German men just loved. <laughs> but really, she had to make do, right? The mm-hmm. war had sort of forced her into a very poor state, and rather than, you know, be drugged down by it, she wanted to be provided for. I yeah. think that's sort of a natural response after, after a war. Sort of Scarlett O'Hara-ish, if you will. <laughs> Sleeping with fat cats is a natural response to your wartime poverty. Maybe so, Molly. Um, <laughs> what Barbie taught me. Whatever the case, uh, Lily became such a popular character that in 1955, they decided to turn her into a doll, bring her into the 3D world of doll. And she wasn't, I mean, she wasn't a doll in the sense that uh, little girls played with her. No, no, no. Lily was not marketed for for babies. As we mentioned, it was sort of a sex doll for adult men. I mean, Mm -hmm. she was only only seven inches long um, or 11 inches. I mean, she wasn't 
the full-size sex dolls we might imagine today. Right. We're not talking about like a blow-up doll or anything. She was just sort of a funny little bachelor gift that guys would give each other. She would usually wear saucy little outfits. Um, I've seen one Lily doll uh, wearing just a little, little black nighty. Mm. And, uh, if you, if you look at her face closely, she, she has these really, uh, I keep saying saucy. <laughs> she has these really pouty lips and her eyes look off to the side, sort of, um, she doesn't even make eye contact with you. No, she kind of has bedroom eyes. Right. And one of the taglines was, whether I don't know if you want to say this in your German accent, oh, Kristen, but uh, one of the taglines was whether more or less naked, Lily is always discreet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was obviously advertised as you know just sort of a a funny little toy. And I read this one account about how German men would sometimes put her on their dashboard in their car, and and friends of theirs would like to just peek up her skirt every now and then. Oh, they're pretty easily entertained after the war, I guess. Yeah, sex toys back then evidently were <laughs> far more tame than sex toys now. But anyway, that's let's a whole say- other podcast, though, Molly. <laughs> so let's say that you're on vacation and you see this doll. Mm-hmm. You got a little girl at home and you have been kind of frustrated that all she has to do is play with like paper dolls and baby dolls. Yeah. The dolls marketed for girls back then were, um, like you said, either paper dolls that would depict, you know, women, uh, women, older women, uh, curvier like Lily or the actual 3D dolls that they would play with were, uh, mostly just kind of pot bellied prepubescent girls, no boobs, no hips, none of that. So let's say you're a woman who wants your daughter to play with more than just, you know, these two extremes of the thing. You mm-hmm. want her to have sort of a maybe a relatable role model and you're on vacation. You pick up a Lily doll. Yeah. In fact, you pick up three and you go home and you start a worldwide doll empire. Tell us how that happened, Kristen. Well, Molly, uh, that exact scenario happened to a woman named Ruth Handler. Now, Ruth Handler happened to have just started a company with her husband, Elliot, called Mattel. Ooh, Mm -hmm. I like where this is going. Yeah. um, Elliot and Ruth moved out to California during World War II, and they got into the plastics business, and they started making plastic picture frames, and then somehow that spiraled into a ukulele. Their first big hit was this plastic ukulele that they made, and it was all these kids loved it, sold a ton. And so eventually Mattel decided to go into the toy business. They wanted to take over the toy industry. And... After World War II, you have this boom in consumerism, and as companies are looking for new ways to market things, they discover that kids are actually a whole consumer group all to their own. And with the debut of the Mickey Mouse show, actually, in 1955, that really sort of set off this trend of advertising directly to kids. So all of this is going on with sort of the revolutionizing of the American toy industry, Mattel is taking off. Ruth Handler decides to jet set off to Switzerland. And yes, she sees none else than Lily sitting in a shop window. And she thinks she's adorable. She doesn't think that she's some some sexy little novelty for German bachelor men. No, she sees a new playmate for her daughter. Yeah, she has this daughter, Barbara, who um, I think maybe she was 10 or 12 at the time. And she had noticed that whenever Barbara and her, her girlfriends would play with their paper dolls, they would always choose the adult women. And she thought that that was their way of practicing for adulthood. Right. Like you would sort of, you know, pretend to be a mom, pretend to, you know, have a girl 
playing house, maybe. Things mm-hmm. that they saw their moms doing, and they were sort of practicing that role through their dolls. Exactly. But aside from, like I mentioned before, aside from the paper dolls, there were no other sort of physical dolls that they could really take the clothes on and off of, brush their hair, all of that. So when Ruth Handler saw Lily, she bought three and brought them back to the U.S. to show uh, give one to her daughter, Barbara, and then use the other two as models for a new doll for Mattel. And since Barbara was sort of the, you know, uh, inspiration for buying Lily, they named this new doll Barbie. Barbie, what do you know? Now, if you hold up a an original Lily doll with the original Barbie, they look pretty similar. Ruth Handler did have sort of a hard time convincing the all-male design staff at Mattel that they really should go for, put all this energy into making a new doll. But once it finally happened, it was a pretty painstaking process. They went over to Japan, to the factories, to because they wanted to craft this perfect doll. And when they were deciding how to design her, they pretty much kept the same figure as Lily, this very curvaceous bombshell. They did take off. I guess the original was pretty pretty made up. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of uh, trollop paint on. Yes. Sort of downplayed all of that, and um, but her eyes still the original Barbie doll still had that sideward sideways gaze. She debuted at the 1959 New York Toy Fair wearing saucy heels and a black and white striped strapless one piece swimsuit and some very classy sunglasses. And I think one of the reasons we should probably mention here that she kept the kind of figure that would let her wear this saucy swimsuit, oh, yeah. as you keep very saying, gracious. is that when they were designing clothes for this new doll, to get the clothes to fit right and not just look like these shapeless moo-moos, basically, they needed to have curves for the clothes to fall on. Mm-hmm. Because they were using real fabric used for real people, and it didn't have sort of the give that tiny people need. And uh, so it was basically just to keep the clothes looking shapely. So the funny thing about this debut of Barbie, now the most popular toy in the world, is that she really did not make waves at the New York Toy Fair. The manufacturers or the toy store owners really kind of couldn't care less at first about her. I wouldn't imagine that it'd be sort of the thing to do to buy a real big, big, Booby doll. Well, exactly. Mattel had a pretty, a pretty big task on their hand of figuring out how exactly to market this very busty doll because when they were serving, before they put her out on the market, before serving mothers to see whether or not they would buy this for their daughter, a lot of mothers were very concerned about Barbie's bus size. They thought that it would, that their husbands would be a little more into Barbie than they should be. So, they brought in this advertising guru named Ernest Dichter to figure out how exactly to dive into the female psyche and get those women to buy their daughter's Barbies. And he came up with a pretty ingenious plan, right? Yeah. Instead of sort of running away from this potential scandal, um, he said, why don't you use this as a teaching device? Why don't you say, here's this very well-dressed, attractive doll don't you want to grow up and be well-dressed and attractive? Then learn these lessons about what an ideal feminine appearance is. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to hide Barbie's insane bust line and hips, he said, emphasize them. Emphasize how you look in a swimsuit. And as you can just see from a line like that, this is the thing that's going to get Barbie in trouble much, much later. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take a long time for this marketing to really take off. I think it, by the by the end of the first year of her being on the market, little girls were buying Barbies 
everywhere. She was just flying off the shelf. And at that point, she was uh, she was marketed as a teen fashion model. So it's pretty brilliant of Mattel because that way, if she's a fashion model, fashion models need what? Clothes. Clothes. Lots and lots of clothes. And it wasn't long before Barbie's boyfriend, Ken, came along. He came around in 1961. And uh, just like Barbie is a tribute to Ruth Handler's daughter, Ken was named for her son. So basically, um, though many a girl has probably, you know, let Barbie and Ken have their way with each other, you're actually playing with um, siblings. It's a little incestuous. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why Mattel never let Barbie and Ken get married or have babies. Well, I mean, Barbie did have a, a, quite a few dream weddings, as I recall. Mm-hmm. But I think they were, but Barbie, Mattel's always been very careful to uh, keep Barbie single. Never really had. I mean, you've had Barbie in a wedding dress, but she she's had so many careers in her in her lifetime. Right. I think that Mattel was trying to show, you know, you don't necessarily need the man. Ken was always an optional accessory, mm-hmm. um, but you could have a lot of careers. You could have, you know, it could be a doctor, a veterinarian, a race car driver, a McDonald's cashier. Shoot for the stars, really. Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And one of the first big makeovers that that Barbie underwent was the release of Malibu Barbie, the first Mm -hmm. Malibu Barbie in 1971. She was a little tanner. She had more of the platinum blonde hair that we think of when we think of Barbie today. And for the first time, she looked at you straight on. No more of those sideways, tawdry glances. Barbie was looking you right in the eye. But eventually, Kristen, what Mattel had to look right in the eye was the fact that it wasn't always going to work to sell Barbie as this sort of female role model. Mm-hmm. Eventually, someone did the math and figured that with Barbie's 38, 18, 34 measurements, she may not have been able to menstruate. I mean, she is a skinny girl. She, uh, she, you know, to be fair, it's sort of an unrealistic body image. And so if your ad campaign is built around teaching girls, you know, look like Barbie, learn to grow up like Barbie, then that's, that's a ton of red bells right there. Mm-hmm. Red. Are bells red? Red bells? (laughs) Red flags. Red flags. It's a ton of red flags. Right. And and in 1997, Mattel downsized Barbie a little bit. They gave her a little plastic surgery. But she's still just as curvaceous as she ever was. She's a busty girl. Right. And uh, this this whole connection between negative body image in in little girls and Barbie has been uh, referred to as the Barbie syndrome. But I got to say, Molly, in trying to figure out whether or not this Barbie syndrome exists. The research is a little lacking. Really? Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a lot of the the articles about how, you know, Barbie is evil and she's promoting bad self-esteem were mostly anecdotal and opinion-based. Uh, the one study, I think in 2000, that came out in 2004, found mixed results when they were surveying girls from sixth to eighth grade about their views on Barbie. Some liked her, some didn't. It just kind of just it was a mixed bag. Nothing conclusive about whether or not she was actually killing girl self-esteem. So it's it's possible that you could play with Barbies and not be completely sure. You played with destroyed. Barbies. Yeah, I played with Barbies, but there was a there was a um, definite moment, and I he- I hear anecdotally that this is sort of true across the board, where you kind of you start torturing your Barbies mm-hmm. as a way to uh, you know you know sociologists will have a field day with this, but I think that it's been described in some ways as sort of renouncing your childhood and putting all of that away and saying, you know, now I am no longer playing with dolls. I'm no longer buying into dressing up all the time and I'm moving forward. Hmm. But what are they moving forward to, Kristen? Have they been, I'm still not convinced that they haven't been damaged by Barbies. For example, Kristen, 
Here, I've got this for you. What do you make of the Barbie who said math class is tough? Molly. Okay, that was, yeah, that was bad. Mattel definitely had egg on its face after that. But they pulled that Barbie from the shelf and, um, you know, yeah, I mean, Barbie is pink. Everything in her life is pink. It's all about clothes. She's got the car. Everything is very consumer oriented for sure. But do you think that maybe Barbie epitomizes a certain gender role? And let me give you an example. There's okay. this big thing uh, called the Barbie Liberation Organization. Ooh. And this was based out of New York City. And what they would do is they would buy Barbies that had uh, the voice boxes. And they'd buy G.I. Joes that had voice boxes. And they'd switch the voice boxes. So, you know, one day little Johnny opens up a G.I. Joe that says, let's plan our dream wedding. Or will I ever have enough clothes? Zany. And Barbie would say you know, eat crap and die or vengeance is mine. And it was meant to show that Barbie really is kind of um, imparting these sort of un- unfair gender stereotypes onto a girl. So if they think that, you know, they have to grow up and care about a dream wedding and buy a pink convertible and live in a dream house. Absolutely. I think that you can't you can't get away from the fact that that Barbie definitely uh, stands for stereotypical gender roles. But to Mattel's credit, Barbie has been CEO of a company president, astronaut. I mean, you know, at least at least she's got a job. She's a working woman. She's always been a working woman. She is a working woman. She's not like the lilies of old who just waited for Ken to come around. And as we mentioned, she never married Ken. She dumped Ken, actually. Yeah, in 2004, she dumped Ken. She's like, I'm tired of dating my brother. This is weird. (laughs) It's been weird for long enough. And and as of now, I believe she's still single. I think that there was a surfer dude for a while, but he was just a rebound. Well, it, whatever the case, whether whether Barbie really has this stronghold over over girls and their self esteem, there there are some new girls on the block who are threatening to take over Barbie's territory. Really, are they just as evil as Barbie? Um, well, let's say that they are not as uh, they're not as prim. <laughs> really. Uh, have you ever heard of a little, little doll line called Bratz with a Z? Oh, Kristen, I know how you feel about Bratz. <sighs> I gotta say, Bratz, they just freak me out. I don't know. Why do they freak you out more than just a Barbie, an, un- an unnaturally proportionate Barbie? Right. They're definitely, they, they're, they aren't as curvaceous as Barbie, but Bratz just have a little more sauce, if you will. They've got a lot more makeup on. They're wearing tiny tops. And I don't know. They just look. They just look a little racy to me. Call me a call me a prude. But um, oh, grandma, but girls love. I know. I'm kind of in a grandma sometimes. But girls love them. Brats were flying off the shelves, and Mattel kind of got freaked out. And in 2006, Mattel filed a suit against the Bratz doll manufacturer, MGA Entertainment for alleged copyright and intellectual property rights violations because a designer, I believe, at Mattel, who was working on uh, working on Barbie at the time, then went over to MGA Entertainment and started working on Bratz. So they thought he was giving some uh, some secret information over. Mm, yeah, they might actually own the Bratz. Mm-hmm. And Mattel, Mattel won the suit. Yeah. And I think right now Bratz are not currently being manufactured, but... Who knows? They'll probably get it. You were probably behind this whole suit, Kristen, because I know you have hatred, <laughs> hatred well, for brats in your heart. But that's not going to help you get rid of all the other wannabes. I mean, there are Hannah Montana dolls, mm-hmm. there are High School Musical dolls. You're not going to get away from dolls. And I got to, you know, we got to say that Barbie did also follow up on brats with the Mycene Barbie. Hmm, what was that Barbie? It kind of looked like a brats version of Barbie, hmm. and people people made criticized Mattel for that. They kind of pointed it and laughed. And I, I guess maybe it's just generational. We grew up with um, 
Maybe we grew up with more properly dressed Barbies, and it's... I mean, I never had a Barbie with a halter top, did you? Well, I never had a Barbie at all, Molly. (laughs) Well, my Barbie, maybe because my grandmother made the clothes, while she was snazzy, don't get me wrong, she did have like a one-piece swimsuit. She didn't have a bikini, whereas I think that now Beach Barbie, or whatever their name for Beach Barbie is, probably probably has a bikini. Yeah. Well... Barbie's definitely not hurting for cash. Not hurting for cash, and I will say, you know, I've been a little hard on Barbie, but I do think it can be like an imaginative plaything. My Barbie's gotten into a lot of fun scrapes. They, I learned a lot about playing with my Barbies, about life and love, and <laughs> tearing the Ken doll's head off, which happened more than once. But um, yeah, I didn't know though that I was playing with a prototype sex doll. Yeah, everybody's got a dirty secret, right? But that's a subject for another podcast. Yeah, I bet I bet old Lily wishes she was friends with Barbie now because um, Barbie's profits for 2008 topped 1.2 billion. She kind of rules the world. She does. Barbie is the Oprah of the doll world. So there you have it. There you have it. And if you want to learn more about Barbie's dirty past, uh, check out this article written by our very own Kristen. Hey, that's me. What American icon? was inspired by a German sex toy. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?